Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from San Diego, California. Welcome to the show, Garrett Moore. Victor, thanks so much for having me. Well, great to have you here. Now, Garrett, you are an expert in construction and not huh. just any form of construction, but you're really trying to innovate the whole space. Before we dive into the details, maybe give us a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey. Absolutely. Uh, my, my path is a little bit of an unorthodox one. So um, I did my undergrad at Stanford Engineering, really enjoyed the physical world, did not want to keep going and, uh, and jump right into business yet. So I took kind of a, a little bit of a roundabout way and joined the Navy. So I spent 12 years as a Navy SEAL officer uh, deploying and, and, uh, and growing as a young leader and a young man and young husband. And uh, it was a fantastic experience, but it wasn't until the back end of my career, I had three young kids start to build my own, my own house that I ran headlong into the challenges of construction and really experiencing those at a personal level. There was a, a tipping point for me. I was deployed. I was in the Middle East trying to track down an electrician. Nobody was at the job site. My wife was frustrated and stressed. And I said, absolutely not. I'm going to get out of the military. I'm going to try and figure out how to solve this problem. I love that. Well, we both have we both come from a very similar background. Um, also, electrical engineer as well, and uh, spent most of my career uh, doing microprocessor design before moving into the world of real estate investing. So, uh, no way. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Had a, a design center not far from where you were located in Sunnyvale. Right on. L- large engineering team there. So it, it's interesting. There's no career path. There's no prescribed career path uh, into this world, is there? No, it, and it, it, it brings people from all different walks of life. And it's seductive because I think a lot of us enjoy putting our hands on something and saying, I built that, or I was a part of that. But as a result, and I'm speaking in generalities here, because the barrier to entry is low, there's also not necessarily the uh, polish or sometimes the professionalism that you might expect. Like, from, for example, in your background in microprocessors, you don't just stumble into the world of developing microprocessors. Not at all. Exactly. Exactly. And it's an opportunity to do things at a high level where it's easy to, I'll say easy, it's easier to progress to the top of the industry. Yeah. So fast forward to today, you struggle a little bit building your own home. And, you know, I've talked with a lot of folks in the world that are trying to automate the house building process, trying to mechanize Mm -hmm. it, trying to improve it, make it more efficient. And I often encounter solutions that almost work, which means, as you know, when things almost work, they don't really. Yes. Right. Where are the stumbling blocks and where, where are the opportunities from your perspective? So I look at, there's no doubt that there's a huge need or, or demand for automation technology. Everybody kind of, I think, agrees on that. The problem is, to your point, what, Sears catalog homes have been around forever. Offsite right. mechanization, uh, prefabrication. Why has it not? Why has this not not been cracked? And our general thesis as a business is that it has to do a little bit more with the American home buyer and the American psyche. And I, I use American, North American, Canada, and and the United States. If we were all comfortable living in the exact same design. I think we would have solved this already, or if we were all comfortable with the exact same box. The challenge is there's an inner cowboy in most Americans that says, I want I want this house to match my neighborhood, my zip code, my whatever. Additionally, we also have a tremendous variance in building codes by city, by state. There is no, there's no uh, 
unification there. So separate topic for innovation, but that's public policy and that's beyond my scope. In that backstop, with that backstop, we believe that the reason it has not reached maturity is because that complexity has not been digested down into the standard zeros and ones that a manufacturing plant might need. So our core innovation as a business and where our patents and IP center around is building a software that can take complex and digest it down to standard. Because if you can get to standardized, then you can now unlock all the benefits that we know of in manufacturing, whether it's a computer, a phone, a, a car, it's just, there's so much variance in construction that is what gags the manufacturing machine. Absolutely. And there are so many different solutions. I mean, when you look from a design standpoint, if you're designing everything with 16-foot spans, you don't need any structural steel beams or anything like that. Everything is easy. Everything is straightforward. As soon as you get one inch beyond that dimension, all of a sudden now you're introducing structural elements that don't lend themselves very well to to automation and requires a whole lot more site work there's a design component to this as well yeah and i think part of this is also there's a little bit of a disconnect uh, there's a lot of a disconnect so one of the challenges to construction is the fragmentation and right. very often and i'm sure you've experienced this the architect and the structural engineer are on different pages right. and there's there's competing interests and so it's the analogy i use is like a camel is a horse designed by committee well, you've got 35 different committee members all trying to build this unified structure. Can you imagine if we built a car where the chassis guy wasn't talking to the upholstery guy, talking to the car and the wheel? It would just be, it would be a disaster. So essentially we're dumping 10,000 parts in a driveway and saying, build the automobile. Right. And so a lot of that, that communication is one of the things that, that we work on by creating a digital single source of truth. It creates one file that allows everybody to be on the same page. And most of the time in construction, an architect will digitize it, flatten it to PDF, give it to structural engineer. Structural engineer will re-digitize it in his own software, flatten it back down to PDF. And then all of a sudden you've got a carpenter, electrician, a plumber trying to read a piece of paper in the field. It's a complex structure and you're trying to extrapolate out those levels of details. So it's, it's, a, it's a telephone game like when we were kids. Exactly, exactly. And then and then you have the individual suppliers all looking to do their own shop drawings in their own system. And it's often not even a 3D CAD system. It's often a 2D CAD system. Oh, sore subject. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the biggest issues is a lot of the technology exists. Half, half the time, it's just an adoption of, hey, guys, use Revit, don't use AutoCAD. You know, exactly. we can look at things in 3D. We can check out some of these class detections. It's just... There's a lot of muscle memory. Absolutely. How is your business solving the problem? Is it just software integration or is there more to it than that? Absolutely. So software integration is the heartbeat and the starting point. So if you can create a software that not only can do the architectural renderings, it can do the structural engineering calculations, but then on the backside, it can export that data. In this case, one of the key unlocks is it's able to export that data into G-code or BTL or computer-aided manufacturing CAM files. So when you can live with a foot in both worlds, design and manufacturing, now you can connect those worlds and everybody sings off of the same sheet of music. In order to launch this business though, that software really had, again, going back to the integration, we ended up having to do our own manufacturing. So for right now, as we're getting the business off the ground, we do our own manufacturing at our plant in San Diego. And a large part of this is just to show people what it can look like and to really get them excited. 
Not that we necessarily need to manufacture at scale. We're a technology business, but we have to provide essentially an end-to-end solution to get people over the hump. So is part of that end-to-end solution translating that manufacturing information, let's say, onto a 3D laser that will project the image onto a bed where your, your factory floor workers can actually start to assemble these panels? It's actually a step further than that. The machines generally are, are a high degree of automation themselves. And so they will automatically cut and label the timber. So let me, let me back up. Imagine you've got a house. Okay, now you break it down to a series of 2D panels. So that wall panel has a series of studs and rough openings and whatever else you need. And then as you start to break it down into components and then subcomponents, all of those are then nested. So as the machines cut and process, it's all working off of one 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 file. But as you go down the assembly line, what started as a stud turns into a double stud, turns into a rough opening, turns into a wall, turns into a house. And so while we do have plenty of human labor in the factory, the core heartbeat is the machines that are reading these digital files. Interesting. So you're working with panels. Now, the biggest challenge yes. with panels is once you get them on site, you have a whole bunch of utilities that really don't lend themselves very well to being panelized. Walls lend themselves well to being panelized, but electrical doesn't and plumbing doesn't and HVAC doesn't. That all wants to be continuous following a flow through the house. How do you do it in such a way that you're minimizing the, uh, the amount of site work? So this gets into a little bit of our, our secret sauce, but at the end of the day, those trades can also be digitized by the software too. And this is what this is a, a step function more complex than framing because you've got some serious calcs on what load does that circuit need to have, et cetera. But imagine you have all that digitized and you could feed that file into your saw and all the holes are pre-labeled. Then all of a sudden, by the time you're going, let's let's imagine, let's say you have a panel, your master panel of the home, it's pre-wired with breakers, pre-labeled whips, et cetera. You're cracking tape. At that point, if you know the path and the path has already been pre-engineered and pre-drilled, then it's simply a matter of pulling the tape and running the wire to the respective box. And maybe the box is pre-assembled where all of a sudden the, the plug, et cetera, is, 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 a, is a component. So you can start to, the goal here is not to completely eradicate human labor. It's to augment human labor with technology to make it that much easier. So there's essentially far less thinking at the job site, which then translates to speed and efficiencies. Got it. So for those items that are difficult to do in the factory environment, are you laying conduit? Are you, are you, how are you handling that? So a lot of this gets into, and this is kind of where we're evolving and developing a product as, as a company is trying to take, okay, so we've tackled the complexity of framing, now sure. boiled it down into the software, doing it on the follow-on trades. And so in order to do it in the follow-on trades, you tend to have to standardize. And by creating like subassembly batches, maybe it's a box and a whip, or it's it's a, 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 a pre-wired assembly panel. You create again. You're translating the complex down to the system and so and down into the simple, so that when you get to the job site, it essentially is colored by numbers. So it's it's an 80-20 principle. The goal is to add as much value offsite. It's not to get to the point where you can just necessarily remove human be- human beings from the job site. Right. It's not Lego by any means. No. If you can get to Lego, that's a great pursuit. But what you're really trying to do is leverage technology to 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 maximize what it can do well and to reduce the complexity so that the human being can't make the mistake. And potentially, and this kind of gets into the macro labor issue, as we struggle to find the, the talent of the trades that might've had it 20 or 30 years ago, you can now use a more junior labor force to tackle more complex problems when augmented by technology. And that's huge. That's absolutely huge. Because if you can do the bulk of the work, let's say even with unlicensed trades, and then only a couple of steps involve those licensed trades, which are in very scarce supply, yes. uh, that can that can be very significant. 
Yeah. And to your original point, Victor, one of the bar theories is that there's a lot of people trying to tackle construction automation, 3D printing and extrusion. There's a whole bunch of other technologies. Our belief, especially in the residential market, is we have to meet the industry where it is with its strengths and weaknesses exactly as they are. So that's part of the reason that we don't 3D print concrete or we don't use light gauge steel. It's largely wherever the industry is, I, I want to improve it. But for right now, I've got to make a product that can blend in as seamlessly as possible because there is amount, a significant amount of social inertia in construction that resists change, resists new things, partially because they've been burned by that siren song before. Hey guys, it's easy. You know, let me show you how it's done. Let me just fix this for you. And it's like, well, it like to your point, it almost works. Right. Exactly. Well, Garrett, this is very interesting. If, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? The best way is to reach out on our website at agoras.com or to connect with me on LinkedIn and chat. We say that there's a joke around the office. It takes a village to raise a startup. This is a really complex, fragmented problem where we need a lot of different folks. It's not a winner-take-all market. The market is massive. I hope a lot of different technologies and approaches win. We just have one that we hope uh, can reach maturity, and we're looking for people that are excited about it. Fabulous. Love the perspective. Love the innovation. For the listeners at home, definitely connect with Garrett Moore at agoras.com. The link will be in the show notes. In the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.